You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. The most important thing for most of mine is making sure that my coaching comes through in an effective way. So every single class is going to give at least one person out there a brilliant first class uh, slash introduction to running slash you will love running if you keep going and be like a really, really great workout and effective workout that they're like, cool, yeah, I feel like if I did this class again a couple of times, I'm going to feel some progression because in the end, that's what we want from training. No matter what your discipline is, whether it's yoga, running, cycling, swimming for you as well, <laughs> you, you want to see progress in yourself, right? You want to see a change. That was Bex Gentry. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative, movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. I am so psyched to connect you with today's guest, the globally renowned Peloton instructor and elite distance runner, Bex Gentry. Her tread and strength classes have been game-changing for my running and triathlon training this season. And her playlists, well, they are off the hook. Before we jump in, Shout out to my sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Unlock the power of your potential. And use our code CHEERSMARNIE for 25% off. During our conversation, Bex talks all about her new Peloton docuseries on YouTube, The Roadmap, which documents her journey to the 2021 Great Britain Olympic Marathon Trials. She details her training and chats with me about what it really takes to gain the speed needed to be an elite runner. Spoiler alert, it involves 15 mile interval runs. Of course, I also ask her how everyday runners can improve their speed. Beck shares her love of music and her passion for incorporating all genres of music into her Peloton classes. She also gives me the inside scoop on her life off the tread as both a plant and dog mom. Get ready for a fun and inspiring combo. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on your Apple device. Share this episode with your friends on social and sign up for our newsletter, The Download. Now on to my conversation with Bex Gentry. Thank you so much, Bex, for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. 
Also, I just, I have to say before we dive into all things Bex Gentry, thank you so much for all of your amazing content and classes that you've been hosting and leading and running and doing all year long because you have inspired me and got me out of a running rut last summer and it was really challenging and I just I know I speak for my listeners and so many people around the world so thank you for showing up and coming to work and doing all those great things. Thank you. It's honestly, it's, it's such a pleasure. I still pinch myself daily that I get to do my hobby as a career and I get to share that with people. And yeah, it's just, but it still, it warms my heart when I hear that uh, it's genuinely helping people. Yeah, so, it really you. does. And I mean, you have such a talent for it. It just feels so organic, so natural. <laughs> I'm taking your class and I'm laughing and even if I'm climbing a hill or doing a hard <laughs> sprint, just you bring so much fun and great energy and training to every class. So what's the magic behind that? How do you do it? Yeah. Um, I don't I don't honestly know other than the fact that I genuinely love to run. I genuinely I, I think I'm I'm an only child by my parents I have an older half sister from uh, my dad's first marriage and but she's 24 years my senior so we never grew up together so I'm definitely like that kid who used to host radio shows to her teddy bears and Uh (laughs) quite used to entertaining herself in an empty room so I think you know that sort of experience and that that drive for attention that a lot of a lot of kids only child and I think children from large families have that like look at me look at me look at me situation so I think it's it's fun it's a huge element of fun when the camera goes on I'm sure you feel that when you click record it's something you love to do and you get this little extra bubble and sparkle about you because it's it's one of your passions so I think as long as that keeps going and I I have keep the mantra of I run for me even when I'm training for yeah. hard races, I run for me. Like even if I sometimes want to run without a watch, which is getting harder and harder to do, but I won't necessarily just pay attention to it all. So I think as long as that continues, that comes to the tread with me when I'm teaching. Right. And that's the real, that's like the real back. So I'm just having a run and I love to run and it's fun because I've got these cameras and this studio with the most incredible sound. I get to pump my music really loud. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it it comes through in every class, every class that I've taken. It's just, it's great. It's fun. The training is awesome. What are some of the key elements, right? If we're not talking energy and vibe, but music or training and coaching that kind of go into your classes because that's also a super creative outlet for you and also you know it takes a lot of creativity to put that together yeah so music is I would say secondary for all of my classes apart from like the fun runs and the fun walks the music focused ones for the most part there are certainly days on like a tempo run or an endurance run class where I think definitely that the programming and the point the aim the goal of the class on a coaching level is paramount importance. But then I think to myself, like, all right, what kind of music is going to get me through, which will therefore get everybody else through this class? Yeah. So it swings and roundabouts. But yeah, music's so much fun to play with. I definitely came into Peloton with this, like, I love disco remixes <laughs> and the house. And then all of a sudden it was like, actually, do I? I think I just like dance yeah. <laughs> like, and pop. And I don't do a lot of hip hop 
mainly because I'm a real English prude and I hate swearing and I get really uncomfortable when there's a lot of explicit language like back to back I don't mind the odd explicit word here and there I mean we all swear but when it's just consistent I'm like no please no I don't like this anymore (laughs) yeah I totally understand (laughs) so that's why I like I play a lot of instrumental music a lot of classical music and the weirdest thing is that I don't actually run to music for the vast majority of my training. I was going to ask you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a really nice outlet and a really nice point of difference for me to have music when I'm teaching my classes. But the, yeah, the, the, the most important thing for most of mine is making sure that my coaching comes through in an effective way. So every single class is going to give at least one person out there a, a brilliant first class uh slash introduction to running slash you will love running if you keep going and be like a really really great workout an effective workout that they're like cool yeah I I feel like if I did this class again a couple of times I'm going to feel some progression because in the end that's what we want from training no matter what your discipline is whether it's yoga running cycling swimming for you as well (laughs) you you want to see progress in yourself right you want to see a change so yeah that's that's like my my little recipe of of goodness Uh, you know I was so appreciative and grateful to have discovered one of your 45 minute hill classes Hidden Hills Hidden Hills yes the 12 incline hill is my favorite how crazy is that I discovered it while I was training for these two triathlons are 70.3 distance triathlons. So wow. yeah. I know your boyfriend is a triathlete. So you understand yeah. my pain. Oh, I do. So I was so excited to discover these hill classes because all the races I was doing this summer had hills. And I'm like, you've got to train the terrain. It's so important. Yeah. And there's no hills in New York City. So it was like. No, unless you just want to keep running Central Park or like go to near Yankee Stadium. It's and not enough, though. No, it's not enough. It's not long. And yeah, those Hidden Hills classes, uh, I was really excited to bring them to the tread. It took a while. I was very, I was like, oh, we should do this. And as part of my role at Peloton, I'm the like tread training specialist. So new programs, I work with Robin and we, we create them. And so that was really exciting. And I just love that people are enjoying it and yeah. feeling this like, you know, hills is essentially part of speed training. Right. So they do go together really well, but it's just a different side of it because you're trying to keep that heart rate lower than you normally would on a hill, which I think is great for people because it gives them that slice of humble pie. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the times <laughs> on the straight up hills class, people just want to hammer it. They're like, yeah. I just want to get to the top of this. <laughs> you really need to like check yourself when you're climbing. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yep. Actually, I just got back from this race and I was signed up for the rock and roll DC half marathon, which yeah, I'm I'm not doing it now. (laughs) I was like, well, I didn't know the elevation. And then I looked at it and the elevation was like over a thousand at (gasps) least, I think. And it was, I looked at it on a map and they were, it was, it was serious climbing. And I'm like, I'm done with climbing for the summer. Like I need a break. I need something flat that is a confidence booster that I could feel good, that I could get a good time. Like I'm done with hills, <laughs> not on the treadmill, but yeah. After those two um, triathlons, you don't want that third and final one to just that third and final race to be something that's just, oh, feels defeating from the day of training onwards. Like, I think those classes are great. I mean, I, I, I need a longer, 
longer hill classes, like an hour. I know I'm the only one. Maybe there's like, you know, thousands of triathletes on Peloton, but you it's know, growing. It's growing, right? I, I mean, I think, you know, every triathlon I've done, I'm like, you've got to take Beck's class with the hills if you want to do this race. Like, you, you yeah, whatever. Fangirl, sorry. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to get some 60 minute hidden hills in there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> seriously. But I'm only one person, but I will totally spread the word and get other people to do it. <laughs> I'm down to teach it. I'm never in your classes are also like so funny. I'm never in your live classes because they're too early in the morning for me. Yeah, they're I'm early. like, I can't move that early. But you know, I've been ta- I was taking one of your classes recently and I literally burst out in tears laughing with the Harry Potter jelly bean. Oh yeah. Yeah, Jess Sims. I'm still I'm still mad at her about that. That was so funny. She didn't make me eat. I did choose to do it, but it was so disgusting. And she thinks, yeah, she thinks, she thinks she's it's funny. hysterical, oh. right? Yeah. yeah, that was like I'm I'm a practical joker too. Like I totally get that uh-huh. vibe. I would do that. It was really really fun and games until the point I think I like burped in whilst I was teaching, yeah. and there was like, oh, oh That's- my goodness, am, am I gonna throw up right now? <laughs> Jess, this is this could be trouble. Yeah, that's so funny. But back to music, you've got some of the best playlists on Spotify. So, what came first for you? Was it music or running? I know you don't run with music. Well, I mean, it's it's hard to say. I've loved music ever since I was little. I really did used to like record my own radio shows, and I'd yeah. sit there with two tape player when I was younger, recording off the radio, and then talk over it and make my own shows so I've always been really interested in running and the um I guess I've always been interested in music and the psychological impact that music has on you no matter what you're doing so you know you can be cleaning your home you can be running you can be you know 34,000 feet up in an airplane flying somewhere and music the same song could mean something different in that moment and I love that that can really affect how you feel especially when you're running Um, so I, I'm very grateful that this role at Peloton has allowed me to explore a bit more into music and running. And I think, you know, some of, some of your listeners and Peloton members might feel like I'm saying we were guinea pigs, but it kind of was because when I, when I came on board, I was one of the first tread instructors and we had no classical music in our library and people were like "Mm, running to classical music no I'm not sure that's going to go very well and it took me a a while to be like come on just let me try it just let me do it it's great yeah I promise you that it will be like a good a worthy experiment at least and it's it's blossomed into this I get these messages from people all over the world who are just so grateful to have been introduced to it and admitting that it is something they never would have thought about running to. And now they're incorporating it into their running uh, playlists. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's super cool. And I don't don't know about you, but a lot of the music I listen to though in my downtime, I don't run to. I listen to a lot kind of different music, alternative music, I guess more akin to something that Emma Lovewell would play in her classes. So that's interesting. I'm thinking about putting some more things like that into my recovery runs. For example, yeah. I do play a bit more with the real Bex music. And then, yeah, running the music I run to when I run to music is just odd. I mean, it's like it's classical remixes. It's I like love dance. the remixes like Hot Chip. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. I love Hot Chip. 
yeah, hardship. We've got RJ. All of the things like that are so fun. I actually, I don't really listen to music except when I run. So wow. Yeah, that's it's fun. it's kind of like for me, I think that's kind of why I asked you that question because I mean, you just do it so well. Like you pair the music with the tread and the workouts and everything so well. It's like a journey that you're going on while you're running. And I really love that about running uh, yeah. is is the music. It's really the only time I do run without music. We're not allowed to run with music in races and triathlon. Yeah. But I mean, when I'm just running around New York City or running on the treadmill, I do like to have music. And for me, it's all about the music. So it's not so much about as much about the run as it is about the, the energy I get from the music. And that fuels my run. Yeah. Yeah. My, my boyfriend's exactly the same. Yeah. He will go through classes on the tread and see everyone's playlist. Yep. And it's That's not me. whether it's a hit run, an intervals run or whatever. Or, you know, whether it's his instructor friends, it's what playlist, what's the music in this class? And that that determines whether he's going to take it. Yeah. So it's, it's super interesting. I think I honestly, I know this is so controversial, but I really think that um, headphones should be disallowed at most races. Yeah. I think people find it so much more immersive to just have like, I've watched New York Marathon and I've run New York Marathon and I can't imagine running that race with headphones in and not feeling the energy of the city and hearing all these amazing things that people are shouting at you. It's just like, oh, you are missing so much with your headphones in. And I know it's probably your pump up music or your like yeah. motivation music and you're relying on it to get through. But I, I'm really in that mood of like, oh, it should be like a one headphone maximum. Yeah, I was going to say like it's I had a mix of both. I think that's not a bad idea. Yeah, and safety, I yeah, mean, as safety, well. safety, definitely. <laughs> but I always think I should be running without music because I think I should train the way I have to race, right? Yeah. That's so important, right? Yeah, and I, I hate running with my phone. I think that's a part of it. That's why I kind of just don't run. I know I should for safety, and I do most of the time. But I love those runs where I'm like, oh, I haven't got my phone with me. This is insane. This is great. Well, that kind <laughs> of like – it's funny that you say that because I actually – you know, I am always afraid like somebody's going to pick me up and put me in a truck, like even in New York City on the West Side Highway. So I always run with my phone because <laughs> I'm yeah. totally paranoid. But I do like when I forget my phone. So this weekend I was doing this race and I came off the bike. I had my phone on the bike. I was really I was really nervous. You know, I always I always put my phone in my bento box on my bike. Just God forbid, because you're out in the middle of nowhere. There's not a lot of people. It's not like a marathon. You know, there's not a lot of people around. I sometimes take it with me on the run and I didn't take it with me on the run, which is probably why I finished the run, because if I had my phone, I would have called someone to help me. Speaking of running, I was watching your amazing new docuseries, The Roadmap, which is your road to the Great Britain Marathon Trials, which is amazing. And I actually was had tears in my eyes while I was watching it. And so many of the things you said, I was like, oh, God, thank you. I'm not alone. And you're an elite athlete feeling the same things that me, this recreational athlete out on the course is feeling that moment where it's a real challenge. And you're like, I want to quit or should I finish? <laughs> yeah. How do you get through that? What do you tell yourself? Oh, I think, I mean, first and foremost, we're all the same. I yeah. think no matter what level of athlete, you 
you consider or others consider you as we're all the same we're one and the same we're, we're a human body that is putting ourselves through this <laughs> crazy thing that we decide to do what whatever it is from a one mile race or 200 meter dash to uh, you know ultra marathons and beyond into triathlons it's it's a task and at some point we all have to have that mental battle with ourselves and I I don't think I've ever met somebody including some of the you know professional athletes that I've had the pleasure of meeting I've never met one of them that hasn't had that chat at some point and whether it's on race day or in a training run wherever it is it's a weird conversation to have with yourself Mm -hmm. because inevitably you're having this conversation but you're still in motion yeah. And nothing's stopping. And I think that's the key for me is that if I can still have this conversation with myself and I haven't come to a grinding halt, then I can keep going because it's just a game. It's yeah. just mind games. It's trying to mess with me. And I know I'm stronger than that. And I can keep keep pushing through. I think, you know, touch wood, I've never had that moment where something is injured, where I've been forced to come to that grinding stop right. because of pain. Right. So I know that's a very different mindset. If you're like, can I push through this or have I torn something? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas to me and on uh, the trials on that day, it was, I, I was living true to my own saying. I was, I ran into my unknown. I'd never run that pace for that long. I'd got very close to it in my training runs, but four miles is four miles. It's yeah. still four miles of difference. And the pressure of that day, you know, a training run, I'm by myself and, it's a lot easier than knowing that there's drones and cameras and everybody that you know uh, could be watching this. And also it's for a place on Team GB. It's huge. <laughs> there was so much more adding to the adrenaline. So I think, you know, when you boil it down, either way, it's a positive or negative. And I'm definitely a positive person. And that was my driver in the end of you've never DNF'd at a race. Don't make that today. Just, you know. I feel like sometimes the regret is worse than the pain in the min- oh. in the moment, right? Yeah. Uh, that was my moment. It was pouring rain. It was the middle of the hurricane. My sneakers were soaking wet. And I'm like, I don't do this for work. This is supposed to be fun. <laughs> yeah. Why am I doing this? I was like, if I don't do this, I'm going to be so mad at myself. Yeah. So do I want to be mad at myself for the next year and talk about it? Or do I just want to do it? And then be proud of myself for conquering. So I chose the latter. Yay. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm ready to go back next year and crush it. Without the hurricane. Yeah. <laughs> what was your journey into running and training and for the Great Britain Marathon Trials? I know you've always been a runner and it's something that you love. At what point did you decide to try out and train to go to the trials? So I was invited to the trials in... November or so last year and I've I've been in conversation with the team the England athletic team since before I moved to the US so it's it's been a few years they've been watching my progress and they're always like come on you need to join the team we'd love to have you on board and every race I've done Tom Craig's has gotten in touch I've been very very congratulatory and also encouraging like yeah. okay now you is this it are you going to start taking this seriously you're a very fast runner. We'd love to have you represent the country. Hey, Tom, I have a full-time job as a runner, not as a professional runner. Right. <laughs> and I just don't know. And 
I'm very scared of competition. I don't handle pressure very well at all because I think I put so much of it on myself yeah. and I shy away from it. So when um, when I got the email from Maddie last November, I thought it was a joke first and foremost. I thought I was getting pranked by somebody and a, a very mean and vicious joke. And once I realized it wasn't, I was blown away. And I said yes immediately because I'm, I'm also a chance taker. I yeah. just thought, listen, say yes, deal with it. If you can't do it, like get that spot. It's an incredible opportunity. So I did that. And then my, my boyfriend, it was over Thanksgiving and my boyfriend and his family were just so excited. They were popping champagne. They're like, oh my God, we're going to Tokyo. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, guys, really, let's just think about this. This is a huge, huge PR I would have to get to go to Tokyo and I would have to run faster than I thought I could ever run I mean my my New York marathon was my PR and I never dreamt I'd be a 237 marathon right. let alone quicker so I tried to train a little bit myself towards the end of that year that so yeah it was like two or three weeks when I was back and it's difficult uh you know I've coached so many people in my career I coach people on a daily basis but when it comes to my own training I, I make the excuses yeah. or I, I like adapt the workout to how I'm feeling or I feel okay with skipping my workout because it's me. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I can control. Like, mm, this, is not, this is not how it's going to work. Yeah. So my boyfriend's very good friend, Stephen Kirsch, is a phenomenal runner and a, and a great coach. And he's like, just call Kirsch, see whether he's got time to work with you, you know, your friends. It could be fun to be trained by a friend. And he was just like, dude, let's do it. And we started immediately by, by the end of that day, he'd got me programs over. And I think because he's a friend as well, I had this innate desire to please him mm -hmm. too. Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. It was exhausting. It was. Training like, was exhausting. Yeah. Training was exhausting. Kirsch is known to be a very tough coach. And he, because he is a very, very <laughs> very hard runner he can go and crush western states and come in seventh and oh like average sub seven minute miles over 100 miles he's he's incredible and I was getting up at like 4 30 to do hard speed sessions before getting to the studio for a seven or eight a.m class right. Sunday to teach again to run again or I was teaching and then I'd run home from Hudson Yards to Brooklyn, that area, and you know, go the long way around the island and over the bridges, and then perhaps around up into Williamsburg. And it, it was the toughest winter New York scene, you know, it was yeah. COVID. It was also one of the most harsh weather conditions we've had. Not ton of snow. It was freezing. It was too cold to snow for the vast yeah. majority of our winter here. It was icy. I'm not coordinated I'm like Bambi at the best of times on ice so I'm not the hero kind of person to go out for a run on ice and put it on Instagram to be like oh look at me how cool am I I went for a run on ice like this is dangerous this is just my career and my professional running career could be gone for an Instagram post so there was 22 mile days on the tread in my apartment where I wanted to just punch through a wall that's hard yeah that's challenging how many I mean, shows do you watch? Do you watch? You don't watch any uh, shows. <laughs> Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl. Gossip over Girl. Over yeah. Over again. Wait, the original yeah. one or the new one? The original one. The okay, new one wasn't that then. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was a game changer. And I mean, 
there were days that we, anyone who's trained for anything and had a specific training plan, there are days when you look at your plan and I remember texting Kirsch being like, I know you're not up, but just wanted to check, were you high or something? Were you really <laughs> going to hit these paces? Totally. Like, dude, is this my training plan? And then I did the workout and I hit the paces. And then he gets another note from me, just an elated babbling voice message of, I love you, thank you so much. Oh my God, I run so fast. That's so funny. That's something I would do, like text my coach and be like, are you sure like you gave me the right workout? And then they don't answer you. So you just do it. And then you're like, oh, I did it. And then they're like, oh yeah, that was your workout. Yeah, it was crazy. And it was, but it was so exciting to see changes in myself and you know there were days I didn't hit the paces and I was so upset and then there were days where I'd get off the tread after a speed session and Austin would still be asleep you know it was that early and I mean he rises early I and mean, at that time we had a six-month-old puppy so right it oh was my god your dog is so cute but yes yeah. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Maurice yeah he's right by me sleeping um and it was just like you just feel on a high for the rest of the day yeah. and I think you know I took that into my classes and I wasn't telling anybody I didn't tell anybody for a long time what I was doing and I you know I was getting a lot of messages from people saying are you okay you seem to have lost a lot of weight very quickly oh, yes. and like you know I'm like oh god yeah I'm fine <laughs> and you know it's, it's it's okay I'm okay I'm just doing this really intense training how long did it take you to see like major increases in speed in your training so six weeks was about when I first saw this like increase in power and confidence it was I I feel like it was something like a two mile repeat that I was doing oh wow back in my training um I didn't have my phone near me it was something like that where it was two mile repeats um above tempo and it was but I mean let me just caveat that the last time I was training my tempo pace was slower than what my predicted marathon pace was for this race okay got it so that's just that that's in perspective of where I'd come in like 18 months of training. So training for New York Marathon, I didn't train for the, the, the race I ran. I was it was just a superb day of running. Right. And New York City is is like a totally different course than the one that you I mean, it's totally hilly. Yeah. I mean, hilly it's like the bridges. Feels, yeah. Yeah. It's undulating. It's it's you start on the Blumen Bridge. And it's a proper course, whereas the Kew Gardens race was just laps, yes. laps and yes. laps. And I don't run on the track. I <laughs> That's a whole other element, the environment and how you mentally adapt to that, right? I mean. Yeah, I was worried about that because of the fact that I don't go on track at all. My, my tread is the track for me. Yeah. And I was concerned that my, my body would suffer because of the repetition, you know, it's just that I'm used to running the streets and okay, you may run the same streets, but you can vary your route. You can have that West side highway run, or I can run home and I can do all three bridges if I want to, to get some hills or prospect park. You know, there's a lot of variation if you want to take it, but that loop was just so windy on one side and then straight away on the back. And, Oh, it was, 
it was a lot I was worried when we did the the day before walk on jog around the course I was a little bit concerned that my mental game would be tasked as well as my physical I mean I knew the physical you talked about it in your docu-series, The Roadmap, which, by the way, yeah. if guys, if, if my listeners have not watched this yet, they need to. But, yeah, so I remember when you were talking about that and also just having race day nerves, like that is. Yeah, it was short. It was, uh, it was just, yeah, the wind was incredibly strong on one side from halfway through, and then luckily it was kind of behind us on the other side, so we got a bit of a so how did you strategize in the moment yeah absolutely the conditions changed so quickly that I had to just think on my feet but I also had um the help of Dan Jarvis who was um pacing my my time group and then as people dropped off he ended up just pacing me um in the end but I mean Dan had never run a marathon before so he had no idea (laughs) that's so funny what was your recovery like when did you start running again so Normally for me after marathon, I get hyponatremia, which is over hydration. Okay. Over hydration. Interesting. Over hydrate. Yeah, I know. For years, I thought it was under hydration. I thought I was dehydrated. And then turns out that I actually over, (laughs) over hydrate, which is, I just drink water all day. Yeah. Um, And somehow I was doing it in a, in these races and I would suffer badly after the vast majority of my marathons. It's just like a debilitating headache and just constant vomiting for an hour. And then that's kind of a a knock-on effect because you can't ingest anything. So then you do become dehydrated and then you do get your fatigue. You can't eat. So it's just, it's about a three-day struggle for me normally after a race. But funnily enough, after New York, I didn't get it, Mm -hmm. which is bizarre but also the first race that I probably strategized my fueling in Mm -hmm. and made sure I was doing it on point and after this race I was fully expecting to be knocked out I was you know it was still COVID lockdown in the UK anyway right but we were allowed to see friends outside and so you know there were a few friends who were like okay we're going to meet you in a park because we have to see you after this incredible thing and it was my birthday the next day and I just, I just had them on hold because I was thinking to myself, you know, this is a lot of adrenaline as well. And I'm not sure how I'm going to feel if I get this problem, I'm going to be gone for the rest right. of the day. And that I got home from the race. It was such an early start. And then we had to be out of Kew Gardens by 11. Okay. So it was a whirlwind. Honestly, money. I just remember being at home back in the apartment we were staying in and just looking at Austin, like, it's done? It's it's done? Like, what? And you don't get a medal for something like that. Normally, you know, you've got your big, heavy medal on that. You're just like, whoa, look at this. I did it. I had nothing. I was just still sitting there in my, like, well, actually in Austin's trousers, bless him, because I forgot (laughs) to bring some trousers and he just whipped his off at the (laughs) finish line. Luckily, he had shorts on underneath. That's great that he was with Um, you too, but he was your race sherpa. Yeah, he definitely helped me. Um, there's a funny part of in the third series of the documentary where uh, I'm just walking ahead of him to go back to the greenhouse where we kept our bags. And I tried to kick my foot up behind me and you can see it moves like this high <laughs> <laughs> because I got immediate leg pain. As soon as I finished, I think I said it in the documentary as well. I was like, my butt hurts yeah, so bad. You did, yeah. Like, 
straight away it felt like my glutes were two rocks so I you know what it's like you just keep moving you know yeah. just like pottering around and then the funny thing was the apartment we stayed in was four stories up and in London there's no elevators in apartment building oh it's God. tiny old narrow beautiful buildings but you have to climb the stairs and that was it we went up and down a couple of times to get you know snacks and stuff and I just I just took a really long shower I got in my um, recovery boots, which I swear by, I, I took them with me to the UK. And it was a really relaxing day. We had champagne, we had food, and it was just fantastic. And I ran, I think, on the Sunday of that week. So the race was on a Friday. Mm. And I think I just did like a few K on Sunday just like to shake the legs yeah. out. Yeah, but I was definitely very stiff. Um, the next day on the Saturday was my birthday, but we went up to see my parents and that drive was about two and a half hours and we stopped once and I forgot. I'd forgotten what I did. Yeah. I was just on high and I tried to hop out of the car really quickly and just grabbed the side. You're like, whoa, I'm going down. Oh, so luckily the driver kind of caught me. He'd come around to open the door. I was like, are you okay? Long story. I'll tell you when we get back in the car, but I need to go to the bathroom and it's clearly going to take me a lot longer than I thought. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, recovery is so important though, because it affects your, whatever you're doing next. You don't even realize how much you need. I, I actually no. have not, I said no running for, I, I mean, I probably could run tomorrow, but I did my it was just I mean it was the whole triathlon but I ran Sunday I'm giving myself a few days I'll probably run I swam this morning so I did like I swam a mile in the pool just that's the first thing then the bike I'll shake out my legs on the bike maybe tonight or tomorrow and then I'll run on Saturday I think a couple miles the impact levels of running are so much higher swimming's perfect there's no impacts your body's being supported by gentle water and I'm sure you weren't swimming at a fast pace no, at your no, race yeah, pace. No. You're just making it somewhat easy. And biking's the same. No impact. You can yeah. just spin those legs out. Don't have to put a ton of resistance, you know, on if you're indoor or hit any hills if you're outdoor. And running is just, it's difficult. I mean, I didn't run. I, don't think I, I did a little bit. We did some filming whilst we were in the UK as well. So I ran a little bit that week, but my problem with that, normally I'm very good at not running and letting the cortisol levels come down because mm-hmm. I'm, I have this test, which I tell a lot of people to do okay. when after a race to see if they are ready to run and it involves weights. So it's standing in like a half squat position okay. and having either got, um, what they call cables in a gym. Okay. Being a cable row or a cable pull down where you're engaging your back from running as well, your core, because you're standing up in that small squat position and your legs. And if you start quivering from head to toe, doing a relatively gentle pull down or row, you're not ready because your cortisol levels are still too high. I'm going to do that. That's good advice. If you feel any quivers in your body when it's when you're under tension in a running position, so even if you stand on one leg, like yeah. if you can't stand on one leg and jump from that one leg position, you're not ready to run. Okay. There's so many little things and it's, I didn't listen to that after this race because 
I got stuck in the UK. I got denied re-entry back into the US because of COVID and visa issues. No, there was no issues, but the regulations yeah. changed overnight and I got, I got stuck. And that was incredibly stressful because I wasn't sure when I'd be allowed back. And then I just had this horrible thought that I was going to be that, that story of oh an God. instructor who went to do the trials and then was never allowed back in the US. And like, I was like, my dog, my puppy, my house, my car, I've got everything here, let alone a career, a partner, like what is happening? And my release is running. Yeah. So I had to run every day and I was stupidly running 10, 15 miles to get the stress out. Okay. And it wasn't good. And I think, uh, I, my mom had to sit me down and was like, Nope, no more. You're walking as though you're hobbling. Are you injured? And you know, mom's going to tell you. They can tell you and you can yell at them and give them back talk and they just don't take it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She was just like, why don't you do yourself a little strength workout? And you know, my mom knows me better than anyone in the world. And so I sat there and I was like, yeah, you know what, what she said, make another challenge yourself instead of doing miles every day so then I just stopped running I would walk around the garden and I would do every day I would do five more but I do like bodyweight squats lunges push-ups and bicycle crunches and just like a little circuit of five moves every day and made five more uh, repetitions so it got a little harder but that was a great challenge and I was like oh okay this is good cortisol levels are coming back down and I knew as soon as I got back to New York, I'd need to teach again as well, you know, after quarantine. So it was, yeah, it was kind of crazy that I didn't listen to myself too much immediately after. But that's, I mean, we all do that, right? I mean, we don't listen to ourselves. I love your run strength classes as well. And I need to get back to that because I think that is my weakest link. So I will start with that. But strength training (laughs) is so important and it is, Okay. Not fun to do by yourself. It is, at least I don't think so. I definitely appreciate the Peloton classes for those things, <laughs> for sure. I mean, in the beginning of the pandemic, I bought all these different free weights. And finally, we had just gotten the treadmill too, even though I'd been talking about getting it forever. We got the treadmill and I'm like, this is it. I'm never going to the gym again. I'm good. I'm cool with that. I don't need a gym. I mean, I need a pool, but mm-hmm. I was so psyched. Now, are you doing New York City Marathon this year? No. I am listed as an elite runner for it, but um, no, I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm hopefully going to be on holiday at that time. <laughs> nice. Nice. Hopefully we can all go travel now, right? Yeah, right. Um, but no, I, I accepted the place because I wasn't sure whether I wanted to do it. Yeah. But I... No, I had such a wonderful race. I'm not ready to put my body through that pressure again I think priorities are starting to shift a little bit in my mind about my future especially as a female so I'm just yeah I'm happy with my New York Marathon memories where they are yeah that's great it's tough to say that right you don't want to do this or you don't want to do that or maybe you do but it's like there's a lot of talent in being able to hold back and not do all the things that you can do but like to strategically think about it yeah what do you love the most about teaching? I mean, it seems like, you know, that's where your focus is right now. I mean, 
are you guys coming back in person? What's the story? I'm not totally dialed in. Yeah. Right now, that's not not my decision. I wish yeah. I could I could comment more on that, but no, that's just something that um, we'll just keep monitoring the situation yeah. and when our global security team make the decision. That's that'll be that. But I just it's been interesting. I think nearly half of my time as a peloton instructor has been now pandemic teaching yeah. <laughs> and half has been in real life so it's been it's it's interesting in that respect but I mean we always used to do certain classes with nobody in the room to bank content right. so it wasn't a brand brand new thing to us so it's it's definitely going to be interesting I'm excited to have people back in the room yeah in the future you know I hope that does happen because there's definitely a different vibe to the classes when there's people in the room but I think now, even after the pandemic, you probably had so many people that maybe would not have come to a class, right? Like be, you yeah. know, buying all the treadmills and the bikes and everything. And it's amazing. I feel it just from being someone who's taking the classes and in this industry. It's, yeah. it's game changing for people. Yeah. It was. And I think it's a lot to do with, like you were saying, you're happy with not going to a gym again. Yeah. I think it's allowed a lot of people to start training in a different way because going to a gym, let's face it, it's quite daunting. So if you're not confident about your body Mm. or your fitness, that may be one of the reasons why you want to start training or going to a gym, but you feel intimidated because maybe you don't know what to do when you get in the gym. You don't want to have a personal trainer. Like not everybody wants to have one-to-one personal training sessions. Right. And so I think this at-home situation is just open the door to so many more types of people. Our demographic of audience is as as wide as the as the universe right now because anybody, there's no, you're anonymous, you know, you can yeah. see your leaderboard name. That's it. So it doesn't matter. You be whoever you want to be on the other side of that leaderboard name. But we're all doing one thing in common. We're moving our bodies and having hopefully a good time doing yeah. it. Yeah. And I think that's just a really great way of fitness to be in the world. I'm happy that people are, are loving are loving the classes of all types. Yeah. What would you say to someone who really wants to increase their speed? How many times a week do you think they should be running? How many classes I know everyone's different but let's just say it doesn't matter how fast you are if you want to just get faster what can you do yeah no matter what pace you are it's definitely a couple of times a week once like two times a week ideally you want to be doing speed work so speed work can incorporate hit classes intervals classes hills classes then Around that, you want to be doing some nice, easy, gentle, steady runs, because as much as you want to get faster, you want to increase your aerobic capacity. So you increase your aerobic capacity by staying nice and steady and nice and calm and being able to just move consistently for a given period of time. So 20 to 30 minute endurance run, for example, is really good or a progression run. Or you can take a fun run, like a music-based run, but run all the way through. Don't don't take those walking breaks when they're advised or when they're offered. Don't take them. So adding that in for another couple of days a week with some strength work should stand you in really good stead to get faster. There's just, yeah, it's just about kind of utilizing your strength in a different way Mm -hmm. and understanding the principles of training. I think a lot of people get confused with like, 
a hit run versus an intervals run and they think they're the same but right. they're not and it's there's different levels I kind of think of our cardiovascular system as like an accordion it gets stretched or, or like a rubber band for example right when you start off it's really small and tight but the more you use it, it's going to get more give and more give and more give. And that's how you want to think about your cardiovascular system. You've got to kind of bring it back in for it to grow back out and back in, grow back out. And the back in is that rest, that recovery and utilizing rest and recovery within your training sessions. Right. So a hit run, for example, you should be walking in your recoveries because you should be pushing yourself so damn hard on those intervals that you need to walk. And if people think it's like a bravado thing yeah. that they keep the jog going yeah. in their recoveries. I'm like, I'm watching your speeds and you're not getting faster on your intervals. You're actually getting slower because you're expending useless energy in your jogging recoveries. So we've got to level it up here. So it's things like that, that people I think are missing when it comes to getting faster is actually doing the workouts mm -hmm. instead like listening of listening to the coach. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, a couple of a couple of sessions a week like that and depending on where you're at whether that's a 20 minute session yeah. or it's a 60 minute interval session if you are um, a more advanced runner then then do it. But I, honestly, I think rest and recovery is the biggest part. Robin actually posted an incredible post today about rest and how it's something she had to learn. I've said the same thing. Yeah. I had to learn the hard way that rest is as important as the long run. For example, if you're training for a marathon, you can't get the training done if you never do the long run and you can't get the training done if you never rest. Yeah. So, it's so important. It's so important. But yeah, I think getting fast is such a fun thing. That's my goal this year. Do mile check-ins like once a month. Do like a, a fastest mile. See how fast you can get that mile and just keep giving yourself a little check-in on yeah, them. Like just one mile. Just get on the tread, yeah. run a mile, one see mile, where I'm at. Then you can reset it. And then, you know, for the next month, you're like, okay, I'm faster. Cool. So then my paces are going to go up for the next month. Now, like a little... Did you say you were doing two mile repeats? Because I've heard of one mile repeats, but two mile repeats. Whoa. Did you do five times two mile repeats at a point during your training? Like, did you do that kind of? Um, probably more like 10. Knowing my oh, my coach. God. Oh, my. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was hard. It was That's heavy. Crazy. It was a lot. Uh, most of my speed training sessions would be between 13 to 15 miles of speed training. Yeah. Okay. That's what you need to be as fast as you. Wow. <laughs> this is actually the first time most of my long runs I'd say once a month, my long runs were steady and long. The rest of them were speed incorporated. So 10 miles at tempo, 10 miles at marathon, or like four, 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 you know, things like that. It okay. was wild. But that's how you get fast. I mean, for real, <laughs> not just running an eight minute mile. Like that's how you get really fast is the volume, the intensity, mm -hmm. the miles per week. Yeah. It's, it was brand new to me and I wouldn't advise anyone listening to this and trying to go and replicate that without advice of a coach because it was tough. And, you know, I've run multiple marathons. I've trained for multiple races in my life and that was the first time I've ever trained in that way. Yeah. And it, it took a lot of, uh, a lot of adapting everything in my life. <laughs> well, you did great in your race. So congratulations, by the way. Have you always loved the treadmill or was it something that came to you yeah. with Peloton or both? No, I've always loved the treadmill. I've always hated track. I feel uh -huh. like, you know, the movie Finding Nemo? Yes. 
<laughs> I feel like Nemo with his little one spin goes in circles. That's that's me on the track. I can't I can't bear it. I I understand when people say running bores them, and I think track. Running the track, <laughs> yeah. And I just, yeah, it's fun when there's a big group, but I'm perhaps selfish when it comes to my speed workouts. I want to get them done. I don't want to have other people in my way. I'm on a mission to do this. I don't want to drag it out longer than necessary. So I just want to go and do it. And the tread to me is is really good for that. I'm staring down the speed. You know, I'm literally looking at my pace in front of me. I always run with an incline on, on the tread to simulate outdoor air anyway. I'm not constantly checking my watch to look at the pace and getting everyone else's GPS confused. It's there. It's right in front of me. And it's me versus that speed right there and then. And it's, yeah, to me, that that works for me personally. Yeah. I love the treadmill. Of- I've loved the treadmill for like, <laughs> as soon as I, probably 10 years, I'm just such a big fan of Mm -hmm. getting my workouts done there especially mile repeats and especially like what you were saying with the one mile I mean it's just the same environment every time there's no wind there's nothing I mean you have to do experiment different places but I do I love the treadmill now you have so many cool pairs of shoes Uh, (laughs) sneakers I should do you wear different shoes for different terrain and different kinds of runs and how many different pairs of shoes do you have (laughs) I have no idea how many pairs I have uh it's kind of disgusting I just had a purge though so do you bring one in and one out or you bring in 10 and one out (laughs) more like bringing 10 yeah I get attached to them like I haven't worn those the shoes I raced New York Marathon in I wore them for my New York Marathon simulation run and that was it that I haven't worn them they're recovered they're away they will not be worn the shoes I ran the trials in have only ever been worn on the trial day and that's it they will probably not be worn again they've still got the tag like the timing chip on them and so there's definitely special shoes like that I couldn't even give up my training shoes that I did most of my training runs in for the trials they're disgusting and they're dead but they're next to my race shoes because uh-huh. I just them of like oh they got me through so much but yeah I, I alternate shoes on the tread I have my tread shoes I have my outdoor shoes I have my trail shoes I have my easy run day shoes and my fast run day shoes, that's for sure. And that's something I've learned to do recently is I know that there's certain shoes that are going to help me run a little bit slower with less, you know, force. And then there's the shoes that are going to push me to run faster. And I, I make sure whether it's marketing, whether it's psychosomatic, I don't really care at this point I know that it does something in my brain and that helps my workout oh I totally agree I agree (laughs) you wear Nike primarily they're your sponsor no I'm not sponsored by them no yeah I was a Nike trainer for years and a Nike running coach for years before Peloton and I just have an affiliation with them I have some great friends who look after me still at Nike but I'm not officially sponsored by them they're just shoes that work for me I've tried other shoes but they they do just work for me it's not a um, political or social decision it's just shoes in the end that that don't hurt my feet don't give me blisters. <laughs> I, I totally get it I mean I've been trying all different kinds of shoes lately yeah just to just for fun I mean but I always yeah. end up I always come back to the same pair for my long distance but I think you know, having different shoes for the treadmill and having shoes for shorter runs versus longer runs. I don't really do a lot of trail running. But now, do you ever wear heels anymore? 
Oh yeah. You do. Oh, All yeah. right. Cause I'm, I do. I, um, I was actually in heels most of the weekend because it was a, uh, friend's wedding. So we nice. had a few events to go to. Yeah. I don't wear super high heels, but I try to get out of active wear. And like, if I go for dinner, I'll try and have little heels on. And my, my boyfriend works for, um, a shoe company. So it's our house is full of shoes. He's obsessed with shoes. So okay. we're always in sneakers or, you know, like luxury sneakers to running shoes. It's, that's our life. So I try and add in the heels because of that. And he's also a triathlete. Is he, what race is he, is he training for right now? Um, so he's an Ironman. Um, he's on his third Ironman or first will be third or fourth? Third. Cause his other one he trained for got canceled so yeah he's training for iron man in muncie indiana which is like six weeks away not even five yeah i was just looking at the schedule to see what to sign up for next actually uh yeah i think i'm gonna wait it's it's been tough he's um he was really scarred by he was doing iron man texas yes that got canceled and that was due to be in april of last year and unfortunately they only gave two weeks notice to cancel it so he was fully trained he was tapering yeah, and he was tapering oh yeah he was he'd done everything he'd put himself through absolute hell as everybody else did you know he's not a, a, a unique story here but I think he was just really demotivated by that yeah. and just that he had this incredible level of fitness I mean he went for it on that training and then what he couldn't do anything with it because there was no other races everything yeah, got canceled. everything's canceled so like, yeah this is horrendous and so I think it took him some time to get into it and you know he's he's definitely a winter training person rather than a summer yeah. training person and so it's this is new for him training in summer and I don't think he'll be doing it again I think <laughs> the winter training is definitely his way forward but I'm very excited to watch him and uh, see him do this obviously you're gonna go and be his race sherpa yeah I, I have some payback <laughs> to yeah. give him up this massive support on my race day so yeah I will be there cheering with all the bells and whistles and now are you gonna bring Maurice your dog who is so cute I we wish. have to talk about Maurice for two seconds he's I the cutest wish I dog bring him. he would love it he's the sleepiest dog he's just yeah he's a golden retriever so he's dozy and sleepy and very cuddly so did you yeah, post today about national dog day was that I, I saw it you haven't done it yet. Uh-oh. Not yet. I've been going through, um, going through my photos to try and find a really good one of him. But yeah, he, he went to grooming the other day. And I think the groomer may have known that he was my dog because he came out with a flamingo and palm tree bandana on. Like, oh, very well played. <laughs> one of my listeners asked me to ask you about your plants and how you love, like I can't even keep a plant alive in my house. <laughs> I have two dogs though, so I'm doing okay. But the plants, I don't know. But yeah, how did you get into that? You're you're so into uh, it too. I'm so into it. Yeah, we have, Austin would correct me if he was here, 50 something plants, I think, in the house now. I love them. It's, I love caring for them. I know that might sound really odd, but they're living things. And I just love, I spend my time with them. You know, once a week, I have a full water of every single one and I check them all. And I've gotten to know them. Some of them have names, some of them don't. It's a really weird attachment that I have to them. And it feels really good. And I think I'm very lucky that neither of the dogs nor the cat go near them. They, I think they've been screamed at 
anytime their noses get anywhere near a leaf, they get screamed at so hard that they just don't bother oh my anymore. God. Our dogs would eat them. He, Maurice likes to eat the, the mud on the bigger plants. Okay. He goes to eat, like, he'll just walk over and grab a mouthful of soil every now and again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You could you could do that. There's only natural fertilizer in there. That's not going to hurt you, but it's annoying. But no, none of the none of the leaves. But we have a lot of hanging stuff, so adds to it. When did that start for you? Is it something that you've done all your life? I yeah, I've always gardened with my dad. Um, he's a big gardener, and he's taught me a lot about gardening and outdoor. And then when I moved into this apartment, it's all glass on one side, and the apartment I was in before was a New York hole. It was dark at all times of day. I know it was surrounded by big buildings. So I never knew whether it was sunny. It could have been sunny or, or dark. I wouldn't know. So when I moved in here, I was so grateful for this natural light and so happy that I could have plants and I have a balcony and it started with outdoor plants to create a little green space on the balcony. And then slowly they came in. And then when we did life from home, I, you know, put a few of the plants near the tread to create a little atmosphere and then all of a sudden I loved caring for them again indoor and that was it I just found myself at all the local plant stores coming home with them and sneaking home with them you know it's like some some women might hide new pair of shoes or something from their partners I'm like whoop just put that plant in amongst them and also gets <laughs> home and I don't recognize that one that's so funny <laughs> he's now stopped me he's like no more no more we plants. have not got any more space yeah that's great <laughs> what are some of the plants that you have like I have ficus audrey that's amazing in the bedroom it really feels like a tropical like a uh Italian room in there it's like a proper olive tree it's stunning and I got a lot of plants with pink and purple on them bring a lot of color into the room so they're um yeah, there's tons. We have different like monstera leaf ones, lots of succulents. It's my friend who used to live next door. She um, unfortunately moved back to Australia and she just was like, here you go. Here's my plants. Uh, they're about to die. I don't look after them. And so now I have like four of her plants, which is really nice. And I brought them back to life. <laughs> they remind me of her, which is lovely. That's awesome. I know you're inspiring me to get a plant. We try and then it doesn't work. And Honestly, snake plants are so easy. They're a great starter. Yeah, a ZZ plant or a snake plant, they're super easy and they're great starting plants. Yeah, because I feel like that would be nice for the room, especially in New York City, I mean, to bring a little green inside. Yeah, and it's really good for the air quality. Yeah, that would be awesome. (laughs) Well, I mean, this has been so much fun. What's new and next? What should we be looking for? What's happening in the world of Bex Gentry? Well, we've got the final episode of the docuseries is dropping next Wednesday which will be lovely. Very excited to see that. Right now, there's lots of things in the works. There's not too many things I could share with you, but always keep on the lookout. I mean, it's just always a plethora of fun at Peloton. There's lots of lots of new classes. I feel like I'm teaching an awful lot over, over summer whilst everyone else is on holiday. <laughs> I'll get my own back later on in the year. Are you going to do more big, more long hill classes for me? Okay. I, I hope so. I'd love to. I did. There was a new 45 minute hit in the hills from Tuesday night. Okay. I'll check it out. That one out. Not quite as high as. No, see, that's the thing. Good. I like those killer hills because they, because <laughs> it makes me realize like where I need to be. <laughs> yes. But oh, the smaller um, hills are good too. I mean, all the hills are good. They're all good. Yeah, they're all good training. 
but apart from that no it's just um just continuing on and um bringing bringing new things uh hopefully to every class and how's your running outside now are you are you still training outside running and doing your thing yeah I still run most days outside I'm a big like get up and just do it whether it's 15 minutes of just stretching the legs or an hour whatever it is I'm just seeing what I want to run at the moment like yeah I ended up doing a 10 mile tempo run on Tuesday morning for no real reason other than I felt really good I wanted to run fast and 10 miles seems to seem to work really well that's awesome yeah I'm gonna get back to it I'm gonna take some classes over the weekend and sort of slowly ease back into it Yeah, I mean, this has been awesome. I hope that we meet one of these days, not when I'm in my pajamas walking my dogs on the West Side Highway, which is where I usually see Matt Wilpers. And he'll be like, Marnie. And I'm like, oh my God, somebody Uh sees me. I'm in my pajamas walking my dogs. And my hair is like in every direction and I can't even see. Yeah, I'm sure I'll see you now. Yeah, I'll keep a lookout for you on the West Side Highway. You guys... (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, And of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. 